T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Hardline, hour number two here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Joe Beamer and Brenda Alacy with you, your pregame for the Bills game. And joining us in just a few seconds, we will have Jacob Cubby Minkowski talking about everything going on in Williamsville. And Brenda, this story is not going away anytime soon. Oh, my goodness. That's for sure, Joe. There's so much going on with. Uh the Williamsville School Board and uh, parents and students up in arms. So uh, we'll be uh, really closely monitoring what happens this week. And this uh, absolutely will continue to be in the public eye. And joining us right now is Cubby Minkowski. Cubby, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, take us back to earlier this week. Uh, How did that setup go and how did it play out? So I thought it actually went very well. We had a showing of probably over 500 people and we had students from all the schools in the districts and a lot of parents there. So I think it went very well. We got our message across and we got a lot of news coverage, which was very nice and helpful to our mission. And I assuming it helped because on Friday, the superintendent announced that this Wednesday they'll be giving us a set date for when like school will be coming back or having like set times, for their plan to get us back into school. So you guys will be going back into the building, you think, sometime in October? I hope so. I definitely would like that to happen, but I really do not know. So this Wednesday, the senior officers from the district are meeting with the superintendent to, I am guess, talk about that. So hopefully Wednesday I can get some more information on that, and hopefully they give us the time and mid-October that we can get back in the building. Now, will this be your first meeting with the school, with the new superintendent? So this will be my second one because he had a one last Monday. He met with like the superintendent advisory council. So it's a bunch of kids from all the grades throughout the district. So he just, he basically went over kind of what their plan is and what they're doing to help. It was not crazy productive, but he definitely it was nice to have some communication with him and it was nice to kind of ease a little bit of the tension because he got in front of us and he was speaking and he did answer some of our questions. Cubby, uh, just for folks who are not familiar, tell us a little about where you are, what school, what grade, and how you got involved in student government. Uh, yeah, so my name's, my real name is Jacob Metkowski, but I go by Cubby. I'm a senior at Williamsville North High School and I am currently the uh, class president. I have been for all four years of high school. And I got involved in class government because 
I love being in front of people and being able to talk and voice my opinion. And I feel like I'm comfortable going against, not really authority, but going against people and telling people what I believe is right. And I just love being able to talk to people and kind of be in charge and be given, like, just kind of being allowed to have some control over my situation. Now, let me ask you, because as a as a fellow former student government uh, treasurer, not a not president. But what what was it that inspired you to get members of student government together and make this push? I just think that someone needed to do it. And when I found out the news that school was getting canceled, I was actually at Salem's for a soccer game. So I finished the soccer game. We got to the side and one of my teammates was like, we're not going back to school until January. And then I sat there and I thought of all the things I would be missing and everything. I was like, well, if anyone's going to stand up and say, hey, let's try to fix this, it would be me. So I went out about and I said I planned the protest for Tuesday. And then I got into contact with all the other district officers. And we've met many times. And it's just thought that something, someone needed to stand up and... I guess it just happened to be me because I was in the right place at the right time for that. What seems to be the support or lack of support from the school board? Do, do they seem to be on your side? Um, I believe they are on our side because everything they've said so far is they're trying to help and they're trying to get us back into school. So everything I've heard so far has been at least somewhat positive. And the fact that we're meeting with the superintendent Wednesday and he said we would meet once a week until this problem is solved. I do believe that they're actually trying their best and that they're putting a lot of effort into this. So I do appreciate the efforts by the district and I do feel like we're going in a positive direction. You know, Cubby, last week we had on a, a concerned parent uh, who has four kids in the Williamsville district, you know, ranging from kindergarten all the way up to high school. And he had some concern about um, the new acting superintendent, John McKenna, uh, being named to that post, uh, of course, he replaced Scott Marsloff, who was placed on administrative leave. And this parent's concern was that McKenna, you know, was was there uh, as part of the HR department and, you know, was obviously part of the current administration. And now he's the acting superintendent. So this parent felt like he didn't do his job in the first place. And now he has even more power. Do you have any concern about how Dr. McKenna uh, is viewed or uh, if he is really up to the task? Yeah, I have heard some complaints or some concerns from some people that he was already in the system and they're just putting somebody who is already part of the issue into more power. But he is still the acting superintendent, so he's not officially a superintendent. I'm assuming he will become that eventually, but there still is room for somebody else to be put in that spot. And I do understand the concern because of what's happened and the firing of all those teachers. And I think it's they're rightfully concerned about it. But I feel like as of right now, they're doing enough to get us back into school and to fix their issues that it should not be too much of an issue of him being in position of power. But I do understand the concern. But I feel like anybody put in that position would not really have any clear guidance either. And I, I honestly do not know because I do not know enough about the like school social pyramid within like the district office to 
you know, who else would be put in that position. But I do feel like they're rightfully concerned, but he's doing his best right now, and I do appreciate what he's been doing. And at least he's open to talking with you too, right? I mean, that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, because he promised clear and transparent communication with us in one of his presentations. So there was a little bit in the beginning, there's a lack of that. But since Tuesday with our protest, I believe that they've had daily, well, during this business week, they've had daily videos that they've been sending out on Twitter that show what they're doing and how they're working to help. So I do feel like he is keeping his promises right now and is trying somewhat to get us back. Yeah, and, and Cubby, seeing the uh, success on Tuesday, I mean, you got the media attention, you did the rounds on media, you were here locally, um, or locally, on this station with David Bellavia. Uh, my question is, say discussions don't go the right way, would you be holding another one of those demonstrations? Um, yeah, we would definitely look into having another demonstration because if we get, if we meet with him and they say January 4th, like, sorry, there's nothing we can do, or if they push that back, then we would definitely do something else. We're exploring other options because at the end of the day, I, we still do have to go to school. And if I'm missing classes and stuff, it's not really beneficial to me in the long run, especially if I'm applying to colleges. So we're trying to find a way to somehow still be able to go to school, but still get our voices heard. So we're weighing a lot of options right now. And there's so much uncertainty with the situation. So I can't give you one exact thing that we're looking into doing. But I guess what we, like one thing that we're trying to do is Tuesday this week, we're having a food drive at district office. Just kind of show that while our, all of our schools are unified, that we will be like trying to use the unity we have to do something positive for our community and to show that and to kind of like dispel everybody who says, hey, you're just kids trying to like cause issues and get out of school. We're trying to show them that we're trying to do something positive for our community and trying to help out others who have a much worse situation than us. What are the uh, the hours and the details on that food drive? So it would be 5 to 7 o'clock on Tuesday at District Office, which is 105 Casey Road. And we will be accepting – we're doing it through Feedmore Western New York. So if you go on their website, they do have a list of acceptable goods. So we're just trying to you know, help out other people because – there's a lot of people out there that going into school is not their like highest concern and they have other things to worry about. So we're just trying to help out and use the fact that all the schools are unified right now to show that we can help our community. Cubby, when it comes to safety in the schools, uh, you know, everybody knows about wearing masks, keeping socially distanced, keeping that social distance. Uh, how do you think that can play out? Are, are your fellow students willing to do that as they're, concern about your own health or the health of the many teachers, aides, staff, uh, many of whom, of course, are much older than you and may have some pre-existing health conditions. Um, what's your take on that? So I think that from what I've seen is that if you tell like my peers to wear a mask or else you can't go to school, you can't do sports, you can't do stuff, they will listen and Everybody so far has been very respectful to the teachers and to the rules. And during the school day so far, from the two days I was in school, everybody listened and everybody's working as hard as they can together to try to stay in school. And with health concerns, so I did have COVID in March. So before this was all a big thing, 
like I got positive antibodies test, so it I did have it. So I believe that like I know it affects everybody differently, but I had it and I'm still going to school and I do believe that like I know it affects everybody differently and I do respect anybody who is uncomfortable, but I feel like we can definitely move forward with a hybrid model and that the way because we have this mandatory social distancing and masks in school. So that's kind of double protection because the CDC does mandate masks when you can't be within six feet and we have it when you are farther than six feet and within six feet. So I feel like school is giving us plenty of ways to stay safe and that the teachers and the students are all on board to try to keep us safe and in school. Cubby, I got to ask you... I got to ask you, uh, kind of a non-related, but you said you had COVID. Do you notice any, like, lasting effects of COVID, or do you feel the same you did before COVID? I do not notice any lasting effects because it's only been, like, six months right now. Hopefully there aren't any lasting effects, but right now I'm probably in the best shape of my life. I have soccer tryouts tomorrow, so my body's working perfectly right now, and hopefully there's nothing down the road. What uh, what made you get tested, Cubby? Were you not feeling well, or did you suspect it could have been COVID? Yeah, so I got really sick in, like, late February, right before February break. And it, was, it wasn't when COVID was, like, a huge issue. It was just kind of something you saw in the news. And the questions were, have you traveled to China or Europe? And, of course, I didn't. So it wasn't, like, we didn't think it was. But then... I was traveling around, like I went to Ohio for a soccer tournament, and then I went to North Carolina to visit colleges. So I was going around and interacting with different people. And then I was super sick. And then later on, we were like, hey, maybe you had it. And then I did take the antibody test, and I came back positive. So I was... Was it like anything else you had ever had, when, you know, in terms of comparing sicknesses? It felt like I had a flu. It was It was nothing outstanding as to the point where... I would say like, it was a life-threatening to me, but I did lose a lot of weight, and it was like, it was something I was kind of worried about because as I kept like being sick, more and more came out about COVID, so I got a little worried, but it was nothing to the point where I had to go to the hospital or anything. Well, that's certainly good to hear. Um, and now that you're a senior and, you know, in the most, this most unusual year, Cubby, uh, and you mentioned that you've been going to look at college campuses, and I'm sure you're spending a lot of time considering which college to go to. Do you plan on being a political science major, or do you, do you continue to you know, feel like you're in the world of activism? Is it something you'd want to do as a career? So I haven't looked too far into that because my plan was to major in business, specifically entrepreneurship and minor in music. So I haven't really looked too much into poli-sci, but if the way things keep going, if I kind of realize that, hey, this is something I really enjoy doing, then I might look into it, but I'd have to figure that out pretty quickly because a lot of college applications open, like, deadlines are in November and then January, so I might look into it a little bit more, but... I was pretty set before on majoring in something business-related. Well, let me ask you. So since you've been a class president for a few years, would you be part of the student government wherever you go to school? Um, I thought about it, but everybody said that student government is different in college. So I still have to talk to someone and see what they think about it in college and what that kind of entails. Because well, it's different being in charge of a freshman class of a few thousand kids than a freshman class of – 300 kids at a high school. So it's definitely something I'll look into 
but I really do not know. Let me tell you this. The SGA meetings every year are a lot of fun. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, Cubby, thank you so much for uh, joining us, and please stay in touch after the meeting and definitely the food drive Tuesday, 5 to 7. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you. All right. That thank is. You. That is Jacob Cubby Minkowski, the president at the student government president at Williamsville North Senior Class, and he has really put the uh, demonstration together you saw on Tuesday. And like he said, uh, after their talks, if that January date is still there, uh, be looking for it again. And Brenda, I, I mean, you can't say it didn't work. You had the media there, and everyone is still talking about this. It's definitely something that's not going away. Oh, they definitely uh, rallied the troops, and uh, it's nice to see that kind of activism and the ability to, to draw people together uh, from some from such a young person. I think it's terrific that he's able to uh, really be the catalyst for that kind of activity, Joe, at such a young age. And certainly, I'm sure he has a bright future. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't hurt, I don't think, to, to have people peacefully uh, demonstrate or, or protest. I mean, my big thing is if you want to protest, there's no point in doing ridiculous things like looting right. and setting things on fire. The right way to do it is to rally your your you know cronies and get the word out in a peaceful way, and maybe you know make a difference uh, in the long run. And the student government did. I mean, we had press releases from the student government. Let me tell you, the Williamsville uh, North student government that Cubby Mikowski's part of, well, all of them that that they're part of. They are a lot more put together, a lot more professional than my student government back in 07 in Amherst. I'm sure Amherst is better now. Let me just say, in 07, it wasn't this well put together. I mean, you're talking about kids going out there, you know, uh, seniors in high school going out there, releasing press releases uh, and, and stuff like that. Really good stuff. And let me just say this. He really should go after student government in college because that he is definitely uh, cut right out for it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Joe, it's nice to see that for a young person who's not apathetic. You know, you talk, you hear all the time about the apathy and, and the, uh, the, the fact that kids don't want to get involved or that they're just sitting there looking at their phone or playing Xbox. This is very refreshing to me. And I salute Cubby and the other kids who are, you know, stepping forth and trying to make a difference and making their voices heard. So definitely a different kind of segment for us, but really happy to have him on board and appreciate Appreciate Cubby's time. All right. Well, Brenda, when we come back, we are talking to Amherst Supervisor Brian Culpa. He will give his thoughts on what's going on in Williamsville uh, with the school district. He will also talk about the press release yesterday extending permits for outdoor dining and offering tents and temporary structures to restaurants that need it. Again, kind of like what Joe Larigo was talking about, trying to... Uh, take advantage of outdoor dining, even when the weather is cold, you know, having the heaters, having the tents, so these restaurants can keep on bringing in the money because, as we saw, 60% of New York restaurants say they probably won't make it if they don't have any help before December. This will definitely help them. We will talk with Brian Culpa after. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. This. Welcome back to Hardline, the final segment here on News Radio 930 WBEN. Yes, I know. I know the Barstool pregame show started, but guess what? You get a full hour of pregame once we're done. What better way to go to that Bills party than with a little political knowledge? (laughs) You know what I mean, Brenda? I hope it's more than a little. That's right. Well, after today's show, I mean, you're getting a lot of political knowledge. So at halftime when the Bills are up 35-0, you'll have something else to talk about. Like, hey, oh, I like it. guess I what like I heard on Hardline today? God's ear. That's, <laughs> that's right, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and you heard Cubby Minkowski the last segment. So this segment, we are going to the supervisor of the town of Amherst, Brian Culpa. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Brian, I am doing well, and uh, to kick things off, before we get to Williamsville, uh, you announced yesterday the extending of outdoor permits for restaurants. Yeah, we're excited to at least be able to offer restaurants an opportunity to uh, uh, further their outdoor seating, outdoor dining. Um, We put that in place back in June, uh, making it fairly easy and streamlined for restaurants to to move forward and get a permit to, to do outdoor dining. And there's really no reason to to withhold doing that. We're Western New Yorkers. We like to be outside when it gets a little bit brisk. Exactly, especially football season. I'd like to go somewhere and watch the game on a big screen outside today. You'll feel like you're right there. Um, you got it. Also, the uh, use of tents in temporary structures are being available to those restaurants as well, correct? Yes. There's a, a separate permit for a tent because it needs a fire inspection. But, yeah, we are uh, encouraging places to do that. You know, this is unprecedented times that, you know, this is uh, at least a little bit of way to have some kind of normalcy or have uh, a little bit of entertainment without uh, people feeling pressure to be inside. Brian, uh, there's so many restaurants in Amherst. Uh, I live in Williamsville and frequent many of them, and I'm wondering – uh, how many do you think this will affect, and, and what kind of response have you gotten from those folks in the uh, restaurant industry? Um, the restaurants in the Williamsville area, uh, you know, obviously the village has some jurisdiction on those, but the restaurants in Amherst, we've gotten uh, a decent amount. There are actually quite a few restaurants that are utilizing that permit right now. Um, we don't know exactly how many are going to continue to do it, but I can tell you that you know, if you just drive by restaurants like Sienna or 800 Maple, you know, this is going to lead itself to, I think, a lot of people wanting the outdoor option through the fall. Well, and I think that, you know, that's something that will help the economy start to recover because have you done any sort of analysis about how much the um, the restaurant industry contributes to the Amherst uh, economy or... I know, you know, obviously it's a very big financial mover for folks in this area, but have you drilled down a bit to see how much it contributes to the town of Amherst? We haven't looked at restaurants 
specifically, we have looked at small business, and we know that small business makes up um, an enormity of of um, areas, especially zip codes like 14221, so the Williamsville area. You know, the I think I saw somewhere uh, it, as we were going through our sort of recovery and reopening, we had an economic analyst come out and, you know, there were there were literally thousands of applications for the PPP coming out of 14221 and a lot of small businesses that are, are really hurting. When you look at it, consumer spending is back up, um, and in Amherst, consumer spending is back up in a big way, almost to the same level that we were at pre-COVID. However, glaringly, small business is way down. So, you know, what it tells us is that a lot of people have shifted to online. And, you know, that's uh, that's going to be very, very difficult uh, to see. You know, I kind of look at some of these small businesses, whether it's a restaurant or a retailer. And, you know, the, there's, a, there's a certain amount of, of accuracy in saying that the, those small businesses are the lifeblood of communities. And, you know, so we need to, uh, to do everything we can to prop them up. We're going to be working with the county. We're also going to be working with our own block grants uh, to, to try to do some small business engagement, um, either a loan or a grant program uh, coming moving forward. Uh, we're working with our IDA and just doing anything we can to sort of brace the small businesses and help them, you know, get through what still is a very tried time. Right. Are you able to access any of the funds from the CARES Act? So we're able to use uh, block grant funding through the CARES Act. Uh, it comes with a lot of stipulations about what you can and cannot use it for. Uh, but, you know, we're, we've been able to use that uh, successfully for um, senior and uh, youth offsets, obviously to help um, struggling populations, struggling census tracts, and uh, we're going to be we're going to be tapping that exact funding source uh, for some of what we're hoping to accomplish. We uh, have our phone lines open and the text board, of course, it's seven one six eight zero three zero nine thirty. And Brian, we do have um, uh, one of our listeners texting in asking, so we're going to allow tents and outdoor heaters. Why not just allow allow all tables indoors being able to be used if you open the windows and use heaters. Do you think that's something that might be looked at? Yeah, I can't tell you exactly. You know, it's all about airflow. Um, I don't get to make that call. Ultimately, that's coming from Albany. Um, but, you know, yeah, I suppose if you could consider something um, open with enough airflow, then, then that might be getting to where... Um, Albany is looking for, but right now, you know, there is a, a distinction made when you rely on mechanical heating units to blow air around. Um, we'd like to see, you know, stuff opened up as much as possible as well, but, you know, everybody's kind of waiting and seeing what, what's going to happen statewide. Brian, as you know, we, the Williamsville schools are in the news, and I'm sure you have an opinion as a uh, Williamsville alumni, uh, but there's also, which, well, I'm, go on. I'm an alum. Um, I actually grew up in, in Tonawanda and went to St. Joe's, uh, but uh, my kids go to Williamsville right now. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I, uh, so as a parent, not as a supervisor, as a parent, what do you think of the ongoing uh, situation in Williamsville? Uh, 
it's hard to separate the supervisor and the parent sometimes. I'm sure that was an unfair question, Brian. I'm sorry. Uh, I'll say this. The end of the day, what we want to see in our community and as a parent and as a supervisor, what I'm looking for is first parity in the way that students are treated, uh, whether they're remote learners or hybrid learners, whether they're um, you know, special needs or whether, you know, whatever, regardless of the scenario, we want all attention paid to all students. The second thing is we want stability, right? Ultimately, the worst thing, you know, about COVID, there's been a lot of things bad about COVID, but is this kind of constant flux and change and instability. So, you know, my hope is that Williamsville um, will you know, like Amherst Central and Sweet Home have been able to figure out how to hit a stride and be stable and not keep fluctuating and changing their plans. Now, Brian, I'm sure people walk up to you because you're the supervisor and you have to explain to them the separation of the municipality and the school. Will you explain that for our listeners? Sure. It, it's almost this is almost the same degree as separation of church and state. It's a uh, School districts are, are separately elected boards. They have a separate tax that the school board determines. They're governed under New York State education law. And unless they're in a major city like New York, they don't answer to the, the municipal leaders. So I can walk into the school and say, here's what I think you should do doesn't matter there's no there's no overlap between town government and the schools until you start to look at the school like you would any other business or any other facility in the area and when it comes to life safety uh, and security ultimately the town has life safety and security uh, issues in those buildings like we would anywhere in the town but really that's the distinction so Academically, contract-wise, all those items, they, there's no connection in terms of what I can um, or what my board can weigh in on. Well, changing gears for a moment, something you could weigh in on, um, Brian, was uh, a press conference you had recently with Representative Brian Higgins uh, about the 2020 budget shortfalls and huge consequences for, for the uh, municipalities that are facing all of these shortfalls. And what caught my eye about it was the um, suggestion that perhaps property taxes would have to be raised uh, in Amherst, and I imagine it would affect other municipalities in a similar way. What, uh, what can you do about this to, to make sure that that does not happen this year? Well, this is a, this is a big dilemma for us, right? So um, one of the things that a lot of municipalities have had to deal with was a revenue shortfall in their um, 2020 budget. And similar to all those other communities, Amherst has shortfalls. It comes from uh, lack of sales tax uh, collected, uh, dip in mortgage tax uh, during the, during the period um, and when things were shut down and then um, courts were closed and still are somewhat closed um, and there were no court fees and there was no, there were no town fees collected for things like ice rinks or youth programming. Um, so 
for Amherst, we're a large municipality. We've got a $130 million budget. That shortfall was, it's high. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of, of about $10 million in revenue loss, basically. And to offset that in 2020, we cut a lot of things. We offered a voluntary separation incentives. We had some um, 50-50 positions that we um, had open and left most of them open under hiring freeze. We cut overtime uh, and uh, cut budgets, uh, you know, which doing that mid-year or, or quarter of the way into the year even is difficult, but we were able to do that. Um, we've adjusted ourselves down uh, to about $7 million in, in a $7 million deficit, if you will. Now, municipalities aren't allowed to run a deficit. So, the only, in fact, the only, the only level of government that can run a deficit is the federal government. So, we have to, we have to balance ourselves out. So, at the end of this year, we're going to have to issue a deficiency note. Now, hopefully, with the cuts we put in place, we'll continue to, to wind down our deficiency before we have to borrow. But ultimately, we'll have to borrow. So, then next year, Right, that deficiency note under New York State law is only a two-year borrowing, so we have to pay it back in the next two years. So if it's if it's seven million, then we have three point five million more coming onto our budgets in the next two years. So that's not. Well, um, I was just going to ask, what kind of interest rates does that uh, incur? Uh, now you can point to a lot of things, you know, but at the end of the day, you can't empty your reserves to balance your budget because you can't run the town on vapors. It'd be like emptying your bank account. Um, it's impossible to make payments and stuff if you do that. So so for a town like Amherst, which is a big town, largest in upstate by far, bigger than the city of Albany, um, you know, this year's devastating in terms of, of economics. Now, the next two years are in harm's way because of this. So either we end up with a federal stimulus or Amherst borrows, and we're perfectly capable of doing that. We have really good books, and we could borrow at a low interest rate. But if the second is the case, then we're really going to have another issue here, which is we're ultimately going to have to have to figure out how to carry additional principal and interest payments and heavy ones at that over the next two years. So um, in terms of how do you stop that or, or how do you prevent it, um, the bottom line is, you know, you you have to cut other places in your budget to do it. And, and that's what we're in the process of doing right now for our 21 budget is trying to make it as pain-free as possible. But similar to other municipalities, we also have to live with the fact that um, our estimated sales tax for next year isn't going to be where it was two years ago. So, and there's a lot of other fees and items that we have to discount in terms of revenue. So we're facing a revenue crunch at the same time we're facing and basically, uh, uh, you know, a, a, an expense increase, which is a little bit beyond our control. So it's be that's, uh, that's, that's where we're at. Uh, Brian, it's got to be very difficult to juggle all those balls and then determine where to spend, uh, you know, your revenue. So how does that impact the old Westwood uh, golf course? Well, so the nice thing about 
the Westwood project, right, is we're really not building anything there with town funds um, that are encumbered or used from any other line. So the, you know, people, people question you know, what, whether or not we should allow development um, at Audubon and Northtown. But the, the, the realistic scenario is this, the development that will happen at Northtown and Audubon basically is first the, the linchpin that we need to secure Westwood. Um, but then second, it actually pays for the park development. So, you know, that, that project's a bit of a wash on paper. Um, and it's in, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily impact. So you don't see, you know, budget lines and offsets for that. Uh, Brian, where do we stand on the Northtown Plaza? I, I see that they have started work on that. Is that going as planned or has COVID interfered with that? No, they definitely got interrupted, and then they had some some challenges getting started back up. Uh, they are buttoning some of the buildings up now that are already up and running, so uh, I would tell you that it feels to me like they've lost nine months on that project. Um, if realistically, you could say one of it's only been six months, but you lose a building season, uh, then you know it really has a ripple effect. So. Yeah, I've noticed sometimes you walk into Whole Foods and you can shoot a cannon off in there and not hit anything. It, it, how are they able to survive? Do you think they're going to make it there? Whole Foods? Yes. So Whole Foods is the food distribution center for Amazon. So if you order food off of Amazon, it's distributed out of Whole Foods. So um, I'm not really worried about. I mean, if you you know that if you click on Amazon's homepage, you'll see Whole Foods pop right up. That there's that's the realistic scenarios as people shift to e-commerce, those are types of places that make it. Yeah, I guess you can't judge it uh, in that case then by the the uh, traffic in the store because they have another revenue stream. Sales, uh, Brian, Amazon in the area. Right. Before our, our time is up, I did want to ask you about um, the Planning and Architectural Review Board um, approving an updated site plan for 135 Evans, which would allow people inc to move forward with their mixed income housing project uh where do you think that's headed is it going to happen well so that's the village's architecture review board um the village of williamsville uh and um you know I, certainly they did approve it and i would assume that that the um, development parties would be moving forward but but i don't have any control jurisdictionally on that um, from a town of Amherst perspective, you know, we're, we're kind of playing a wait and see game as to where everything goes. Uh, I, I do hope, you know, here's another scenario that, you know, we're talking about planning. I, I do hope that there's a, a sincere plan for, uh, the employees, um, you know, of, uh, of, of Beachwood, um, for the residents of Beachwood. And, and, you know, frankly, I have yet to, to know whether or not there's actually a certificate of need from New York State allowing the 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 Beachwood to consolidate into um, or Burton for that, um, this one to consolidate into Beachwood, but you, uh, you there's a lot of unknowns there. Um, you know the village is uh, you know given its approval, but there's still probably a lot at play. 
Uh, Brian, before we run, I did want to ask you, too, about services uh, in the town of Amherst. Can residents come into the Village Hall? Uh, is it open? Are they reduced hours? How does that work for folks who well, would like to physically come into Town Hall? Town Hall is open. Um, we would still like people to, when you get there, you know, call one of the departments to let them know you're coming. We have a decent amount of traffic in the building. Um, we've tried, we're trying to keep um, crowding down. And since we operate under the same sort of, uh, you know, quantities and, and occupancy controls that other buildings do, um, we do ask that you call there. If you get to town hall, there's signs up that list every department. You just have to you have to kind of call and say, hey, I'm here. Um, but the clerk's office is open for a general walk-in. If you walk into town hall, you know, you're, you're not going to um, be turned away. But, you know, we, we are asking people just to let somebody know that, that you're here so that we can get people out of hallways and stuff like that as soon as we can. All right. And, Brian, the obvious last question on a Sunday morning. Uh, the Bills pulling it off today? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Town of Amherst like Supervisor Brian Culpa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you both. Thanks, Brian. I like your confidence of the Bills. I don't know. Joe, I'm a little worried about this one with the two linebackers being out, Milano and Edmonds. I just hope that, uh, you know, the, the saying in football is next man up. I hope that Terrell Dotson's up to the task. Next man up, and I'm hoping, and I know this is not how you want to go into a game, but let's hope the offense can put enough boards, uh, boards enough points on the board, so maybe the defense won't be as important. And let's hope that uh, Josh Allen is not running the whole time. Please, like, no. Oh, like my gosh. I can't take another week like that. My blood pressure was through the roof. I know. I felt the same way. This guy's going to get killed out there if that keeps happening. And the other thing, too, I'm hoping, as much as I like him as a person, uh, the, what I know of him publicly only, but uh, I just hope it's the bad fits that shows up because <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick seems like a wonderful guy, but I don't want him to beat the Bills today. No, I want to see a fit six. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll All right, well, it. go Bills. And finally, next Saturday, the season opener for Virginia Tech. So I have to say in six days, go Hokies as well. Are you going? Well, no, no fans allowed in Blacksburg for the first game. Still not, huh? No. All right, well, listen, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today and to our guests. Uh, what a lineup we had, Joe. Pat Gallivan, Joe Larigo, Cubby Menkowski, and Brian Kalpa. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week, Joseph. You we sure will, right here on Hardline. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 